It's been mentioned over and over again here, the main truth about Christianity is that you become a Christian by God's grace through faith. No one earns, as Sue was saying, no one earns heaven. No one earns God's favor of salvation. Amen? So that's legalism, meritocracy. I do stuff, and then God says, oh, that's a good job. That's the way the world works. God never has any of that in terms of salvation. It's a free gift. So we're saved by grace. Then the question becomes, once you're a Christian, what's the deal? If he wanted us in heaven, he would have brought us to heaven. We're not in heaven yet. And we have years to live here, possibly. And so what's the goal every morning? We're children of God. If we have been born again, confessed our sins, put our faith in Jesus. So now what's the goal? What, every morning when you wake up, what should be your goal? What should be my goal? We're going to heaven. We belong to Christ. If you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. And a lot of people have no goal on a daily basis. They have nothing they're aiming at in Christ. They just, you know, well, I want to help you with that. I want to help myself with that. It's found many places in the New Testament, but I'm giving you one where Paul is talking to a church in the Greek city of Thessalonica, and he says this, as for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God. As in fact, you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. So let's get this. As for other matters, he's summing up stuff, brothers and sisters, the whole church. We, the apostles, instructed you how to live in order to please God. As in fact, you're living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do it more and more. So... What he's talking now is the goal of every one of us when we wake up in the morning is that we should want to live that day in a way that makes God happy in order to please God. God is an emotional being. He's not just all power, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. He not only dwells in glory and so on and so forth, but he is an emotional being. And just like you can be hurt, he can be hurt. The Bible says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in the Old Testament, they vexed God. So he can be made sad. He can be made happy. And if you're a real Christian, you would want to make him happy. How many want to make God happy every day? Come on. Lift your hand high. Let me see We want to make him happy. After all he's done for us, all the stuff we've been singing, his mercy is more. We're not going to care how he feels. We're not going to care um, whether he's blessed by how we uh, live or saddened by it. So this brings us to how to live in order to please God. Now, most of us, when we get an idea of religion, we get an idea 
of certain ceremonies, depending what background you are, ceremonies and practices. We go to church on Sunday. We take communion on Tuesday. We read the Bible, hopefully, every day. We do these things. In the Catholic system, some of you came from that, or possibly are in it, it's much more. You don't, back in the day, you don't eat meat on Friday. You go to confession every so often. You do the Stations of the Cross. You do Hail Marys. You do Our Fathers. You make a pilgrimage to the Vatican back in the day. In other words, that's what you do. That shows you're a Christian, and it's planted in our mind. When you do that, you're making God happy. Now, even in Protestantism, we have things like read the Bible, go to church on Sunday, serve the children and BT kids. These are things that make God happy, we think. The only problem with that is something called formalism or ceremonialism or traditionalism can set in. And what is that? When you go through the motions and you do the stuff, but your heart is not in it. And you're still doing it by rote because that's what I do. Praise God, I go to church on Sunday. Because going to church on Sunday will make God happy. Maybe, but maybe not. And this is what Israel had to repeatedly have pointed out to them in the Old Testament. God would raise up prophets. Israel was his covenant people. Israel were the people that he was the shepherd of. He brought them out of Egypt. That's a picture of us coming out of the darkness of sin and into the light of his salvation. He brought them out of Egypt, brought them into the promised land. But even when they got there, uh, there were problems. Why? Well, <clears throat> on the way to the promised land, they stopped at Mount Sinai, and there Moses got not just the Ten Commandments, but he got a huge outline of the way to worship God that God said he accepts. You couldn't worship God any old way. You had to worship God the way God prescribed. So he got moral commandments, but he also got like this, and you shall build a box and you shall overlay it with gold. And the box was about so long and about so high. And on top of it, you'll put gold. And inside, you'll put a copy of the Ten Commandments. And that is called the Ark of the Covenant. And that was to go into the Holy of Holies. But outside the Holy of Holies, there was a holy place. And the priests had to go in there every day. They were allowed in there. No one went in that other room but the high priest once a year, sprinkling blood. Why blood? Because... When I see the blood, I'll pass over you. Blood meant not just Exodus, Passover night, but it was constantly had, had to be shed. And then there was this holy, uh, the holy place, and that had furniture in it. And then outside, there was a big basin of water that the priests who went back and forth, they had to wash their hands and cleanse themselves to go in. Beyond that out here was a huge altar, a brazen altar with a huge fire going on it. And that's where the sacrifices were made. God said, every morning you have to sacrifice a lamb. It has to be spotless. Don't bring defective lambs. Don't bring lambs that are are all marred and gnarly that you don't need yourself. You bring a spotless lamb. In the morning, 
morning and at night for a sacrifice to God by the people. But then individual sacrifices there were. Let's say you got mad and or tempted and you stole something and then you returned it, but you were guilty of the sin of stealing or lying or anything else, bearing false witness. You would then go bring your animal to the priest and the priest would slit the throat, the blood would be poured out, and it would be burned, and that was your sin offering. But there were all the offerings. Exodus is filled with instructions. Leviticus is even more filled with all the details of how the priests had to be, how the, what the people had to do. And, and anyone who didn't do these things would be cut off from Israel. You had to do things according to God's word. But this problem came up over and over again. The people were honoring God with their mouth and going through the motions, but their hearts had drifted away. But they kept up, for a while, they kept up the traditions. We would call it reading the Bible or going to church on Sunday. Praise God, I'm not a heathen. I don't sit home on Sundays. I'm not one of those people watching online for the next 10 years. I'm not doing that. I'm going to be in God's house. So God would raise up prophets. And what would prophets do? He would tell the people, hey, time out. You're not living a life that is pleasing to God. No, but we're doing what we're supposed to do. They didn't understand the spiritual aspect of religion. All they had was the physical aspect, behavior patterns, rote, tradition. So one of the biggest settings for this, which teaches us something very valuable, is found in Psalm 50. You wouldn't think it'd come in this psalm, but this is called the Psalm of Asaph. And Asaph was seems to be both a psalmist but also a prophet. And now he sets a scene for a courtroom. And listen to how it shapes up here and what we can learn. The mighty one, God, the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to where it sets. <clears throat> he summons the heavens above and the earth that we may judge, that he may judge his people. Gather to me at this consecrated Gather to me this consecrated people who made a covenant with me by sacrifice. So what God says is he's setting this stage in a poetic way. And he's saying, everybody, heads up, everyone. God is about to speak. The judge is about to preside. God is about to sit down. And, and the people of God were thinking, yeah, wait till I hear what he says about these heathens, these Philistines, and these Amorites, and all these other people who aren't of the covenant and don't circumcise their children, and so on and so forth. And then God stuns them by saying, well, I'll get to those people later, but first I want to talk to my own people. So remember this, judgment always begins in the house of the Lord, not the world. The world later, but first, God reviews his own people. Why? Those are his people. To whom much is given, much is required. If you have a lot of light, obviously God's going to require more than you from somebody in Bangladesh where I once ministered who doesn't even know what the name of Jesus means. So now he gathers them 
to talk to his own people because he's got something on his heart he has to share with his people and maybe with us today. And then he goes on this, this journey that he takes them on. Read it, with, just watch it here. Listen, my people, and I will speak. I'll testify against you, Israel. I am God, your God. I have no need of a bull from your stall or of goats from your pet. Wait a minute. He's the one who said, bring your bulls. He's the one who said, bring your goats. Now he's saying, I don't have need of it. I don't need your, your goats and your bulls for every animal of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and the insects in the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you. For the world is mine and all that is in it. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? So now God is going here in a strange direction. And he's saying to them, I see what you're doing. You're doing exactly what I told you. Do you think that's what I was really after? Those were just outward signs of something else. You've left the something else and all you have is the empty form, the empty tradition. And it can be Protestant. It can be Catholic. So now Israel is listening and going, wait, we're doing everything he said to do mechanically, physically. And yet he, he says, I don't need that. What do you think? I'm hungry. I'm not a God that gets hungry that I need your food. If I needed food, I wouldn't go to you. I don't drink blood. And, and it, it seems to contradict what he said. And now here he cuts to the chase. And this we all should concentrate on right now. He gives them the three things that really please him. If you want to please God, listen up. If you don't want to please God and you just want to please yourself every day, I would say humbly to you, check yourself to see whether you're in the faith. Because if you have no concern of how God feels how you live every day, then somehow you missed the point. You, you missed it. You might be religious, but you really don't know the Lord. When you know the Lord, you want to please him. Hello? My mom died at 104. When, when she was 102, 103, she lived right at the, for years at the base of the Brooklyn Bridge in, the, in an apartment building. And I would go see her. And she'd be in the bed, sometime in a wheelchair, in the bed. That's my mom. She fought through 22 years of my dad being an alcoholic. And then God delivered him. The last 10 years, he was sober. She took beatings. I was too little, too young to protect her. But then I got older and that stopped. But I got involved in physical altercations with my father when he was totally drunk. And my mother went all through all of that, took care of me, was patient, many, patient with me, kind to me. So now she's 103 and she's in that bed. Do you think I want to hurt her? Are you kidding? Every word I said, I was trying to say a word that would make her happy. I would always say to her, Mom, what can I get you? She'd say, could Carol cook something for me? I'd say, of course. I want some noodles and cheese. That's like a Polish, Eastern European dish with some onions and butter in it. I just got hungry describing that. 
haven't eaten today. I just, <laughs> I got to change my subject here. I said, of course. Oh, would you do this? Oh, Jim, would you, would you read the Bible to me? I want to make her happy. If you love someone, you want to make them happy, right? What would you think of me if I, if I just, hey, mom, and that, and didn't care anything about her feelings? You'd say, that's a bad son. So now the Lord is going to give us Old Testament and New Testament. I'll show you the application. Here are the three things every day that will make him happy. Remember, just do it on a daily basis because that's all you have. All we have is today. Yesterday is gone. How many say amen? amen. Tomorrow, mm, possibly, maybe not possibly. You don't know if you'll wake up. So we have today, Sunday. So here's what he says he wants. He tells them. Sacrifice thank offerings to God. Fulfill your vows to the Most High. Three, call on me in the day of trouble and I'll deliver you and you will honor me. God said, this is what I want. You're doing animals. You're going to the temple. All the men in Israel had to go three times a year to Jerusalem. The Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Pentecost. They had to go there like on a pilgrimage. That had to be done and they were doing it. And they were sacrificing their animals. And God said, that's not what I'm after. That does not make me happy. Unless it's associated to these other three things. Which is, number one, give me thank offerings. Not with an animal from your heart. Appreciate all that I do for you. I've given you everything you have. And you just go to the next problem. And you never even say thank you. Some of you, even while you were singing, I wonder how many of us were really saying thank you from our hearts. I saw some of you standing. You were worshiping God and sitting. You were worshiping God and thanking him. But how many times we just go to church, we hear the songs, we lift our hands when the uh, uh, director or the leader is saying do something, but our hearts never get engaged. I wonder how many weeks or months for some of you, the last time you ever thanked God from your heart for all that he's done for you. The only reason you're here this morning is he woke you up. But we don't even thank God for that because we just assume I, sh I should get woken up every morning. But some people didn't wake up. How about this? 2,000 years ago, God sent his son who took a beating and then on top of the beating for our sins, went to the cross and shed his blood and gave his life so you and I could have pardon and forgiveness. Shouldn't we be thanking him for that every single day? Come on, everybody who appreciates what the Lord has done. How about in your own life? I think of mine. His mercies are new every day. Speaking for myself, the, the least of my mother's three children, the, la the least of a, being a Christian growing up, that I'm a Christian, that I'm in the ministry of all things. That's purely the goodness of God. How about you? Has he been patient with you? Do you thank him for that? Haven't you messed up and instead of knocking you off or sending a lightning bolt, hasn't he shown patience after patience after patience? Come on, how many can say amen to that? And we just, we, we just take it for like, we, we, you, know, we, you owe us that. No, we should thank him every day. Isn't one of the hardest things to see is spoiled kids who don't appreciate their parents? 
Their parents took care of them, changed their, their pampers, fed them when the kids couldn't get around, and now they're older and they don't even have two seconds for their parents. They blow off their own parents. And when you see it, you're so grieved. How must the angels feel when they see us? The only reason we're alive is because of God's goodness, and we hardly ever say thank you. No, ingratitude. It's been one of the besetting sins in my life. I don't thank God enough. The Bible says in the Old Testament, in everything give thanks. Continually give thanks. Even you, ah, oh, you don't know what I'm going through. Whatever you're going through, count your problems, but then count your blessings and give God thanks. Come on, one more time. Let's say thanks be to God. He's saying to us, this is what makes me happy. When my children appreciate my care, my mercy, my patience, my goodness to them. And it's good for you because when, and me because when we're thanking God and praising God, the joy of the Lord and the peace of God begins to stir in us. But when we're complaining and nitpicking and making a, that we're the victim and all of that other nonsense... We got a lot to praise God for today. And God says, just don't go to church. Go to church. Yes, that's a good thing. But praise me outside of church, in church, and when you go home. Amen. That's worth a clap. Come on. We say amen to that. You say, oh, you're getting emotional. I didn't grow up that way and all of that. Listen. The least important thing in this world right now is how you or I were, were raised. What would that matter to God? Is your, back, is your race and culture and your background more important than what God wants? And here's what God says for the New Testament, Hebrews. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God. Continually. Offer to God a sacrifice in the New Testament. They were praising God for what? Good crops and whatever blessings God gave them. This was before Jesus in the Old Testament. Now we have Jesus. We should be continually offering a sacrifice of praise. That chases the enemy away when he tries to bring us into condemnation. We should be praising Jesus. Notice using our lips. Some, some of us here, we get so loud over something. We get so talking about something. Oh, we're not ashamed to lift our voice about every kind of nonsense. But when it comes to praising God, oh no, I, I, I'm not that type. I don't get loud. Well, get loud. Because God says get loud. Can we say amen to that? God says a sacrifice, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. I see that in my own life. I see it in people's life. Traveling, people go nuts over football, basketball, all kinds of crazy things. And yet when it comes to God, they're mum. They'll shout and go nuts. Oh, in Olympics or anything like that, they'll go crazy. The World Cup, are you kidding me? But come to God, they're as still as a cemetery. But I'm not ashamed. Are you ashamed to lift your hands? No, come on, everybody, let's lift our hands. Let's wave them at God and just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. Everything we have comes from him. 
And God says, do you want to make me happy? Don't go through the mechanics. Yes, go to church. Yes, read your word. But give me your heart first. Because that's a, that's a symbol of real faith when you thank God for everything. That you know, my faith tells me, every good and perfect gift comes down from God. So listen, even the people who have influenced your life and helped you, it's not them. Don't you get it? God sent them into your life. People are a gift that we ought to thank God for. Everything. You have intelligence, whatever you have, it comes from God. Do you have a job today? How many have a job? Lift up your hand. You didn't get that job. God gave you that job and the paycheck and everything else. So God is saying here to us, you want to make me happy? Give me a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Number two, now that pleases God, a sacrifice of thanksgiving. We should do that every day. Every day we wake up, it, our first breath should be, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Come on, I don't care. You don't have to be wealthy to thank God. You don't have to be educated uh, with degrees to thank God. Just thank God. The first thing, thank God before your feet hit the ground. Thank God. That's what pleases him. Number two, and fulfill your vows to the Most High. See it? Fulfill your, what does that mean? Now, Christianity is not about earning salvation by doing certain things. Correct? But now that we're the children of God, what God is saying is when I tell you about something and impress it on you and you affirm that you know I'm right, obey me. When I show you, you shouldn't be looking at that. You shouldn't be engaged in that conversation. That's called gossip. I hate it. So stop it. Obey me. That means more to me than a song, even. See how quiet it got? Because where we live in an American Christianity, that it's, I live any way I want, but then skinny jeans and a fog machine, and I just praise God. And then I go back and I live any way I want. Is that not prevalent everywhere? Of course it is. I know that like the back of my hand. And God is saying, obey. Why do, you, why do you keep talking to your wife like that when I've convicted you about it and you know it was wrong? Now obey me. If you go to church while you're still bad-mouthing your wife, you're going to church means nothing to me. Zero. It's zero. Hasn't God ever dealt with you about anything? Come on, if you're a Christian, the Lord puts his finger on things. Am I right? How about some of you in your giving? You, you squander money on yourself, but you're cheap when it comes to the things of God. And God, no, listen, I'm not bringing you into legalism. Don't do anything unless God has dealt with you. I'm nobody to judge you. But God has dealt with me in the past about that. Honor me with your substance, like Pastor Brian read. Give and it shall be given to you. Now, the question is, we're going to obey or not obey? So when I visit my mom and he sa she says, Jim, would you do me a favor? I would love a bagel, everything bagel, with a smear of cream cheese. Anyone ever have one of those? How many like that? Just wave your hand at me. Well, 
a lot of us. But if I said, sure, mom, sure, I'll get it. Then when I walk out of the house, forget it. I don't have the time. I'm not spending my money either. You'd say, what? What's up with you? Well, how about this with God and us? He's done all this for us, saved us. Some of us would be dead if it wasn't for Jesus. Am I correct or not? Some of us would not be alive. Forget in church. Wouldn't even be alive. But God spared us. And then he tells us these things that make him happy, and we go, nah, doesn't fit into my lifestyle. It's about me. See, that's the danger of even praise and worship music. You can get caught up in the vibe of the music and then live all week long as if God was dead. No thought about what he cares about. So fulfill your vows, God says. That's Saul was king. Samuel the prophet told him, I'm going to come to you. Just wait. When I come, we'll offer the sacrifice and then we'll go to war and God will be with us. But Saul couldn't wait. But God had told him through the prophet, wait, do not go to war and under no circumstances are you ever to offer the sacrifice yourself. Do not do that. But Saul saw the enemy rounding up against him. He saw the troops getting a little nervous and be disobeying what God said. He, he made the sacrifice himself as if he was a priest. He ain't no priest. So then Samuel comes just after he did the disobedient thing. And he says, Saul, you're rejected now by God because Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. And to heed, that means to listen and be sensitive, is better than the fat of ram. So we who have had God's grace in our lives, he's done so much for us. Shouldn't we want to make him happy by doing what he says? Show me one person here who ever did what he said and ended up unhappy and messed up. No, we're unhappy and messed up when we don't do what he said. Am I correct or not? Think of all the, the sadness, Jamal, if you come. Think of all the sadness and pain and tears represented in this room right now and all the hurt children and all everything because of disobedience to God. Well, pastor, what are you, a legalist? What do you live in another century? No, I'm reading the Bible to you. We're Christians. We're saved by faith. But now we're in the family. What are we going to do? Insult the Father every day? Does that make any sense to you? No, I want to please him. How many still by uplifted hand? You still want to please God every day. Wave it at me again. By giving thanksgiving all day long. And by asking God for grace, Lord, I want to obey you. You're right about that thing. There are things I'm doing I shouldn't be doing. I'm wasting my time. I'm looking at stuff I shouldn't look at. I'm hanging out with people. I'm going places. <laughs> this is nowhere where I should be. They curse you. They mock you. That's not a place I should be. And there are certain things I should be doing. God, I promised you, you convicted me about, you never read, read my word. 
I got a lot of good things in here for you. But you got enough time on your phone. You're on social media. How many, how long every day? What's that value compared to feeding yourself on my word? You're right, God. You're right. I got to Not to become a Christian because you are a Christian. I want to hear from you, God. I want more of your word. And then nothing comes of it. God, you got to go to God today and say, God, I want to be obedient. Because to obey is better than sacrificing 10,000 animals if we're living in disobedience. This is what happens to preachers. Pastors can be preaching and they get sloppy in their lives. Oh, I know how to do this. I can preach. I've read, I've written books or ministers of music or anyone. I know how to do this. And then you lose your dependence on God. You lose your sensitivity to God. Now you're doing a lot of questionable stuff. You're telling lies to the people to get money. It's a slippery slope, my friends. Now you're an empty suit. Now you're preaching stuff. It might be biblical, but it has all the inspiration of a, of a ham sandwich. It's just nothing. I want to please God by obeying him. I want to treat all of you. I want to treat my wife, everyone I deal with, my mouth, my eyes, everything. Let the words of my, notice that verse, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of the heart be acceptable to you. Not to me. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, you're watching it all. Oh God, I want to make you happy today. Here's the last one. And this one is so phenomenal that I can't believe how awesome God is. The third thing, and call upon me in the day of trouble and I'll deliver you and you will honor me. So let me get this straight, Pastor. God says, you want to make me happy each day? Thank me every day, all day. And do it out loud whenever you can. Number two, remember, when I deal with you and I show you things, obey me. You'll honor me, you'll make me happy, but you'll be blessing yourself. Because there's a way that seems right to a person, but the end, destruction. No, but I thought it was right. Everyone's doing it. You don't want to get your compass from other people. You want to get it from the Word of God. Lastly, how great is our God? Imagine Teresa, William. God says, thirdly, here's how you make me happy. When you're in trouble, don't go to anyone else. Come to me. Please don't ask anyone else to get you out. I'll get you out. Please honor me. Come to me. It makes me so happy. Don't run here, there, and everywhere. Don't get depressed. Don't carry your burdens. Come to me. That makes me happy. You say, no, that's a privilege. God says, yeah, it's a privilege, but it makes me happy. In the day of trouble, call upon me. See what I won't do. But I love when you come to me. If you're carrying problems here today, God is not happy that you're burdened and depressed. He says, come to me in the day of trouble. I love that when my children run to me and give me their problem. Well, what an awesome God we have. He says one of the things that makes him happy is the way for us to get our burdens lifted and our prayers answered. Can we give him one more hand clap of praise? Almighty God, I praise you. I praise you. And I praise you. So there it is. The just shall live by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. 
How is faith manifested? By giving God thanks for everything because you know it all came from him. Don't be strutting like you're somebody. You ain't all that. You ain't all that. Trust me, and I'm not all that. But God is everything. God is everything. Come on, let's just tell him again. God is everything. Number two, obedience is better than sacrifice. God, help me to walk carefully. The words of my mouth, meditation of my heart. Oh, God, I want to please you by the way I act. I don't care what the crowd says, the Democrats, the Republicans, the white people, the black people, the West Indians. I could care less about when you die. Do you think any of them are you're going to stand before them when you die? You're going to stand before God. Don't you want to hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant? You can't please people and God. And lastly... This is amazing. He loves when I come and say, God, I don't know what to do. Like I've come to him with my wife's uh, knee thing. And, and you know, what, what are we supposed to do? Uh, what's going to happen here? How can I help her? How is she going to navigate? And God loves when, yeah, that's, come bring it. Come on, I'll help you. Come on. Oh, don't go to someone else. Don't go to someone else. Come to me. Let's bow our heads. We're going to sing this song that just says, Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, our Father, Prince of Peace, the Great I Am. But I want people here who have been convicted, like God is saying to you, Give me thanks. Even this year, haven't I helped you? Didn't I recently do some things for you? Blessed you even when you didn't ask for it. And when you asked for it, I did that and beyond. And now you went right to your next problem without even thanking me for what I already did. Oh, Pastor Simba, I want to give God thanks today. I want to end this meeting just telling him, I love you, I thank you, I praise you. Just get out of your seat and right now and come to the front. You can thank God with me. Just get out of your seat. Everyone who has extra thanksgiving for God. Come on. Come on. We're not going to be ungrateful. Every eye closed again. Anybody here say, Pastor, I want a spirit of obedience in my life. I want God to help me because I don't want to be like the Israelites, going to the temple but then disobeying God all week long. I want God's grace and strength to help me to be a child that makes him happy. Get out of your seat and come. Don't you think he'll honor you if you do that? Takes a little humility, but God will honor you. Lastly, is there anyone here feeling overwhelmed like you don't know how you'll make it. God does not want you to feel that way. He's saying, call upon me in the day of trouble. I not only will help you, it makes me happy when you come to me with your needs. Get out of your seat from the balcony or downstairs here. A wayward daughter, a wayward son. You're either going to be depressed and worry or you're going to give it to God. I ask you in the name of the Lord to come. All right, listen to the singers sing this by themselves. Just listen.
forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Thank you for welcoming us to the throne of grace. Who is a God like unto you? You answer prayer. Everyone will come to you, Lord. close just Jamal if you would get in the wonderful merciful savior that Katie the singers and I were going to sing that for a little while and I think some people here don't want to just rush out um, they're going to want to just sing and wait on the Lord some you're pressed to go remember the offering remember upstairs in the mezzanine lobby to volunteer maybe God spoke to you while Sabine was talking you want to help with the children Oh, Lord, I thank you for your word today. I might have preached it, but I preach it to myself, Lord. You know that. I want to live a life pleasing to you. I want to make you happy. We want to make you happy. After all you've done for us, oh, do we want to make you happy. But you know what we get hung up on. We don't thank you enough. We're not careful about obeying your word. Help us. Make us sensitive. If we hurt your heart, let us feel it in our own heart. So that we'll know we have to change course. And thank you that we can call on you, Lord. So get everyone home safely, Lord. Meet all our needs this weekend. Should you tarry, gather us on Tuesday for communion. Oh, we will celebrate again, Lord. Should you give us that day, we, will, we promise to celebrate and give you more glory. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Help Carol, Lord. Help her with this knee and oh, whatever has to happen. This is not easy for her. God, I ask for extra grace for her we walk through this together with you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. You want to leave? You can stay. You can sing with us. Help me, singers. Wonderful, merciful Savior, precious Redeemer and
turn around and give someone a hug, a handshake. Come on, show yourself friendly.